So last year we said that the winter of discontent was coming. Last week, uh huh. Last year. Last year. I think I titled an article in 2018 saying winter of discontent. You're way ahead of the curve on that yeah. one. Um, so yeah, and then this week, lots of media articles talking about. Well, more of the same, but uh, possibly <coughs> turned up uh, turned up, up a notch, notch yeah. big time, especially especially fault? in the British press. Is that our fault? <laughs> Do you think the Telegraph watches the show, that, like in the Times, the Telegraph, the yeah. Guardian? They watch the show and then get their read from it, yeah? What are those two guys in Hawaiian shirts saying? Let's let's yeah. tune in there. No. Um, they should keep calm and kill zombies. Yes. Well, they're practically encouraging that. The rhetoric coming out of media in the last week is, especially in the UK media, I mean, it's... It's serious. I mean, the, the Telegraph, for example, is usually sober, you know, to the Guardian's kind of shrill, lefty, mm-hmm. pro-globalist agenda, whatever. The Telegraph will be more like, oh, just everyone, chill, chill. But they've had a bunch of reports in the last couple of days that are like, one of them, we'll look at it later, apocalypse now, question mark, you know, talking about food shortages, fuel shortages, climate change, in the sense of actual, you know, natural disasters, not what it may or may not lead to. Um, so, yeah, there's been a, <clears throat> kind of increase in the rhetoric in the media about imminent about the red lights blinking all over the place. Yeah. In terms of food fuel shortages, commodity shortages in general. Um and where that's going. Okay, so they've turned it up a notch. But the main thing that I'm noticing is <laughs> because the levels of trust in media and government are so low, especially among the people who've had it up to here with COVID, yeah. they're hearing this and they're just going, okay, yeah, right. this is the yeah, next yeah, yeah. This is, this is, I know, I know this game. I know how this goes. So you basically told us there was a pandemic with some basis to it, maybe. Others just say, no, nah, it's but totally you, phantom. But you hyped it up. You hyped wazoo. it up the wazoo. You put all of us in our homes, locked down. You've, you've wrecked the world as you knew it. You've took, taken all the fun out of it. So why should we believe you now that you're, warning about economic crisis you're doing the same thing it's just more of the same especially from the you know in the twitter sphere uh on facebook and so on people just have had it so i suppose we need to come back and answer that because as it is we just sound like we're parroting the mainstream position on this warning that shortages are already hitting or coming and that it's all leading to a foobar which on the surface is what the media is reporting big time. Like I said, especially in the Anglosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes and no, there's a bit of both going on. I think that's what we want to get at. Um, I mean, first of all, let's just look at the rhetoric, winter of discontent. Okay. So that has a couple of references, especially to Brits. Nice. One of them obviously is now is the winter of our discontent, Shakespeare, Richard III. Okay. But it was last used politically or has gone down as a piece of history, as uh, synonymous with the winter of 1979. Mm-hmm. The Guardian has a short write-up on it. I won't throw it up. It's just two paragraphs. Um, 1979, the winter of our discontent. So the basic political situation was you had a Labour lefty prime minister, Jim Callaghan, um, a crisis in terms of shortages of food and fuel, and then a weather issue. It was a particularly cold winter. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it was it wasn't usually called, but by any by any records. Okay, so that's that's gone down in history of as winter of discontent for the UK. But that was just it. It literally was a winter mm-hmm. because there were UK elections and that brought in the Thatcher era. Mm-hmm. And to whatever extent we can look back at that and pick it apart and suggest it was contrived or not, because there was clearly, in, with the benefit of hindsight, we can see that there was some ideological um, cross-party shift in support that got Margaret Thatcher into power. We know that in hindsight because it changed so much mm-hmm. of the way business was done. They upended all kinds of beliefs about, uh, I mean, Margaret Thatcher, society doesn't exist, you know, mm-hmm. the rise of individualism, letting the market do its thing. You know, it brought in the 80s. And there were, my point is simply that there was no substantial crisis, not in the sense that we're talking about now, mm-hmm. where it's, you know, decades. It was a very um, different world then, though. Very different from economically and you know just how people live their lives and uh, you know how it was in, how compared to today how today it's uh, kind of interconnected globally. I mean, in in what was that in seventy nine? Seventy nine. Yeah. Uh, where was China? <laughs> China was a backwater. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and it, it was it was across the Atlantic too, right. because of course that brought in the Reagan years right. in. And a, a conservative shift, yeah. which was really behind the scenes, the same ideological shift in terms of neoliberal economics, let the free market do everything, that sort of thing. Um, so, yes, there was a crisis, but how did, it wasn't really a crisis, you know, yeah. in terms of actually, you know, causing profound long-term right. problems. Yeah, It did produce a big change. But, but, this, but, this but ta- the point is simply that could be resolved mm-hmm. politically to whatever extent it was real and it bit and it had natural aspects to it, being a freezing winter. It, it, it didn't, recovered. It, it recovered. And it because it's gone down history and it's gone down as a, a check mark on, on the side of government mm-hmm. because, well, there was a problem, government fixed it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know. But we're ta- we're, what we're looking at today is something totally different. And I suppose... One of our assumptions going into this is government isn't going to be able to fix it. That's the only reason well, we would be that's because government, governments, about this. compared to the last 40 years ago, governments in, in, in around the world and particularly in, in the West were much more uh, independent, much more in control of their own, uh, you know, their own countries. Basically, they had a lot more. A lot more leverage, a lot more control over over all aspects of their, of their own societies. Uh, in the last forty years, that has become globalization has taken over, and you have massive international conglomerates who now control the supply of a lot of commodities and resources that people need, that governments need, in order to keep their countries going. Like, for example, in the two, in, I think in two thousand, uh, from an energy point of view, in the year two thousand, uh, the Brits were producing ninety percent of their own natural gas, for example. Uh, by 2011, it had become a party where they're producing half and importing half. Uh, today, it's almost, it's, it's like way up there, 70, 80% import mm. and only about 20% uh, naturally produced, you know. So, I mean, that's all outsourcing and not bothering. It's a globalization thing where it's big companies, you start supplying, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. Although it is in a certain sense, from from the point of view of uh, ba- if bad times come along, you need to 
you need to uh, turn back to self-reliance, you're in trouble. Uh, you need to have the flexibility every, to to do something about it. Right. And but I, if you can't where you are, because there are so many nodes in yeah, the chain for sure. that are also need to be taken into consideration yeah. when you change direction. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's indeed part of the whole ethos. And they are right to claim that as to why, broadly speaking, populism bad, because you're going to get a reversion to doing yeah. whatever it takes to protect just our just country yeah. to hell with everyone else. Self-reliance, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, I mean, and it's not a supply, it's not a, it's not a population or a demand thing. Um, it's uh, because, you know, 20 years ago, the population in the UK wasn't that different than it is today, not, not by, by a significant margin, you know, maybe an extra five or six million people mm. in the last 20 years. Um, so it's not a, a, a demand thing. If they could produce a, almost all of their own resources, if different countries could produce almost all of their own resources back 20 years ago, they could still do it today. They just chose to stop doing that and rely on foreign uh, foreign companies, you know, or f foreign on, on imports for for their energy resources. The UK apparently right now has four days of supply right. of of natural gas. I saw that stat, but then yeah. I saw it in comparison to other countries. And then there's not much better. Well, like eleven days for no, France or something. No, it's eleven weeks. Oh, uh, eleven weeks for Germany, fourteen weeks for France, four days for the UK. Um, right. Yeah. So no. I mean that's an example. That, that's that could be that's one explanation as to why uh, the the Brits. I mean most of these headlines about a winter of discontent and petrol shortages and food shortages or gas shortages, whatever, are coming from out of the UK. There is the same kind of murmurings from the US and other places around the world. If you look at Lebanon, uh, Lebanon for example, oh yeah, uh, they're having a, a serious energy crisis. Uh, there's massive queues. If you want to know what queues at a gas station looks like, <laughs> look at some images from from Lebanon over the past week. Yeah. Um, but so there, this is a, a kind of a global thing, as we talked about last week. It's not there does seem to be a, a shortage in energy resources um, uh, globally. The reason for that, I mean, you, you read about it all, and you and, and you see you always nearly always see in, in any explanation of it, lockdowns, COVID. The last eighteen months of COVID caused lots of different problems in supply chains and in and, and people uh, people in different industries just walking away from their jobs. One in particular apparently was. Uh, is drivers for some yeah. reason and it's not just in the uk of no. course in the uk they blame it on brexit right brexit was like okay we're going to sail off into the north atlantic on our own and we're cutting our ties with europe and to some extent they did they do that but not to the extent people think i i think but they they did cause themselves so much problems in terms of uh, workforce particularly uh, delivery drivers hgv drivers you know truck drivers uh, but you're having similar problems reported in the us as well and it's the only thing that makes sense in any of it that anybody can, you can really hold on to is the last 18 months of COVID and the virtual, to some extent, shutdown of the global economy. That happened, you know, happened in a way that's very hard to, uh, hard to quantify and detail as to who, you know, where were the shutdowns, what effect did it actually have? Is it really having a problem starting up again? Were, were major uh, industries kind of, you know, basically put on hold and is it hard for them to start again? Of course, we've seen... Uh, other evidence of, of during as a result of the last 18 months of uh, different uh, different products like wood uh, in particular we've heard a lot of reports about wood wood materials being 10 times the price they were before we've also yeah. heard about transport costs so there's, it's I mean it's really doctors chips for any device, yeah not just computers yeah when you machines. when you yeah when you when you when you stall to whatever extent or to a significant extent let's say that whole global supply chain of all kinds of products 
then some will be able to take uh, pick back up whenever demand picks up pick, picks back up or the, the flow picks back up or workforce goes fully back to work and others yeah. will have problems and because it's very hard to know and because as they have are so proud of the world is so interdependent and interlinked yeah and no no one country should see itself as an island and forget self-sufficiency and food or energy we all need each other because of that ethos things could not just re- kickstart back up again because Taiwan over here produced the semiconductors, the chips that are needed for all these other industries all over here. And if theirs are down, well then, so yeah, we need, we're all in this together. We're all in this together in, in creating a foobar. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, especially if, you know, I mean, th- this is the thing. When, I mean, obviously we deal to some extent in what are called conspiracy theories. And there's a lot of people who, who watch the show who would deal in the same conspiracy theories. And the, the refrain is always that, Ultimately, if something bad happens, uh, that it's contrived by the elites or the globalists or whatever you want to call them, right? That so that in this sense, people who are looking at this, especially in the UK, you've been saying that a lot of people are responding to it are saying, "Listen, this is being controlled. This is being done on purpose. There is no yeah. energy shortage. There is no food. There are no food shortages. There is no are no gas shortages. It's all being controlled." Just to basically punish the people again, because people, a lot of people who see what went on over the past eighteen months in a particular way, see that they were deliberately punished, unnecessarily punished by "quote unquote" the elites, and that this is just the next step of them punishing the people. What, what could be worse than locking people in our houses? Well, deny them food, right? Yeah, that's the next worst thing. So, uh, and well, is there any truth to that? It's hard to say, but certainly, as we've just been saying, given the globalized nature of the global econ- of the economy, the world economy. Uh, how it's all interconnected and how a lot of it is controlled by some uh, a relatively few number of major major companies then all you have to do is posit that those people or someone in league with them is deliberately you know shutting down or shutting off supply chains uh, there's I've seen reports of trans, trans uh, yeah, cargo ships so. cargo ships being held offshore on the east and west coast of the US you know explanations are there's no there's no drivers at the receiving end. At the re- receiving end, they're not docking because there's no one there to pick. You imagine a transport ship f- from China, from wherever, mm-hmm. docking into the east or west coast of the U.S. If there's no one to unload it, or if they're having a shortage in, in labor to unload those, well, they're not going to dock, right? I mean, well, they can't dock because the first ship that went in isn't unloaded, or the first ten ships that went in aren't unloaded, so the next ten can't come in yeah. until they they get out, right? And the ones that came in aren't going to sail away. So the whole thing can grind to a halt if that is a problem and that's, that's the one thing that's been consistent throughout that I've, that I've heard particularly in uh, not so much in mainland Europe so much but in certainly in the UK and the US that there's a, a, a shortage of drivers of delivery drivers uh, of people to, uh, and, and, and labour force at these uh, you know unpacking and transport areas yeah. where goods are received in the UK and they blame COVID they blame the lockdowns. They blame the last 18 months yeah. for it. How exactly? Don't know. But that's the, that's the explanation. In the UK, the industry associations that would oversee, like the Road Haulage Association, that would oversee drivers, their training, recruitment, etc. They've been publishing, writing and publishing letters since June, warning about this. Um, which definitely does put it in the, in the scope of... Did they of, blame Brexit? They probably did because there's a lack of drivers, right. because we sailed off out of the European Union. But 
I see, that's part I see, of it. I see counter evidence to that fact, mm-hmm. namely that wages have gone up, mm-hmm. and people are indeed attracted now to work as drivers. There, uh, there's, there's a spat this week. A government minister, uh, obviously the government's getting the flack from this. Um, Gary, Gary Grant Shapps in the UK. He's he's fighting back. He's saying it's not the government's fault. He's saying it's the haulage group's fault for creating a manufacturer situation. Um, specifically that they're reluctant to let wages go up, and in some way the industry is yeah. holding back, which makes sense. You can well, see the motive there. That's the neoliberal thing. Right. No, no, we're. Why well, should why should we do that when yeah. we know there's a bigger market out there? Let people come in, and the government just today or yesterday folded somewhat, and agreed to allow five thousand temporary visas um, for people to come and work mm-hmm. in the UK, either at short term haulage transport within the country or at the ports. So, at least in the UK's case, it does seem that. I'm reluctant. See, I'm so reluctant to join the media in their narrative and blame Brexit. You know. Yeah. Do you want to put this one up? Put 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 up put up uh, a few there so we can get into the 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 details of what they're actually talking about. Um. It's it's so hard to tease apart because in the same articles, right? These guys are blaming either each other. Or the Brexit, as if it's some, you know, natural cause. <clears throat> but then, uh, at the same time, they mentioned, oh, by the way, Poland has the same issue. In fact, their shortage is worse than ours. The UK is officially their driver shortage of long-term drivers, uh, truckies, mm-hmm. is 100,000. Mm-hmm. And then in the same article, as well, actually, Poland's is 123,000 mm-hmm. short, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's look at the Sky News one first, Scotty. Yeah. So there's a government minister responding to the flack the government's getting for why there's a lack of drivers in the UK. Okay, scroll down. Oh, well, right off the bat, he said it's a manufactured situation. Mm-hmm. Um, which does hint at something contrived going on here and not a fact in itself. The Minister Shapps insists that there's plenty of fuel and obviously discouraged panic. While the fact of some retailers forced to shut down their pumps and ration sales. You see, that's confusing now. Is it a fact that there are long lines at the stations which is forcing the closure of pumps and the rationing of sales? <laughs> is it a fact or not? He's saying, no, 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 it's... Well, it's only yeah. because people have been primed yeah. to believe there is that it's causing a like a like a run of the bank, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly, a run of the banks. Yeah, but that's that's <clears throat> likely to happen. But it, and it's very hard to tease the whole thing out of the you know after the fact to look back and say did this actually need to happen? Yeah, you know what I mean? When people go, he's go clearly crazy. hinting it didn't. I mean, well, but I mean, I, I saw an article. I don't have it here, but the, that there was a spokesman, a spokesman for, for BP, you know, British Petroleum, saying that they were experiencing supply shortages and it was going to be a yeah. going to be a problem. You know, um, again, supply shortage would be in the UK would be imports of uh, tanker imports of, of of gasoline, you know, of, of fuel, you know. So 
Okay, it keeps going down. I think his next part explains it a bit. Uh, okay, he explains there's plenty of fuel. Carry on down. Okay. Um, okay, so he's the Secretary of Transport. So he rounded on the haulage trade body which he said had helped spark the crisis through irresponsible briefings. They're the letters I was talking about earlier to the public dating back to June and claimed that the industry is desperate to have more European drivers undercutting British salaries. Mm -hmm. um, so the Road Haulage Association and other industry uh, groups since May, June rather have been blaming the UK government the UK government is, is, is calling them entire, entirely responsible for this panic and chaos. So they're all blaming each other, basically, yeah. And nobody's looking at uh, if there's actually anything going on. Where's that, put up that, uh, let's put up that article about the, um, about the other, the, the kind of... Uh, the, the whole array. The, the array. Put oh, this up. is awesome. I think I sent it to you earlier, Scotty. This is the Telegraph article that begins Apocalypse Now. Look at this. Look at the headline. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Apocalypse Now. Britain's race against time to fight off multiple black swan events. Okay, so black swan is not a new concept. It's been talked about uh, really since 2008. Um, what, is, what is this supposed to be? It's, it's indefinable, really. But basically, something comes along that shocks it's the economy. One, one in a million type. Uh, yeah. But at sometimes you can get a whole bunch of them all together. Okay, and then look at their image. You've got a wildfire. That's obviously not affecting the UK. A flood, sure. Apparent shortages at a gas station and empty shelves. Um, okay. I don't know what I. I don't know what the highlight and what not in this article. It's we'll so. Just, it's, scroll scroll, scroll it. down. What's the collective name for black swans? Long tail risks are not supposed to come all at once. Okay, we think of them as isolated ev events that happen once every hundred years or so. There you go, once every hundred years. So a load of them happening at once. The world has faced a multitude of, multitude of historic shocks amid the worst pandemic since 19... There you go. So, I mean, again, that's an example of what I'm talking about then in all of these reports about the economy, the foobar and, and economic foobar, all of them in one way, at one point or another in the article referenced the last 18 months of of you know, of COVID lockdowns and all that kind of stuff. Um, that's obviously, that's not a... And yeah, locally we face severe disruptions, not just gas and CO2 supplies, but of the labour and fuel needed to operate supermarkets, factories and farms. I mean, if you believe this, you would think, you can imagine someone reading this, they would be straight out to the supermarket and the gas station and, and stocking up on things, right? Yeah. Or some people would. But if people take the opposite, which is just media hystericizing the public or sensationalism in order to sell newspapers, then you, you brush it off. Uh, so you talk, yeah, talking about heat heat warnings and low pressure systems. They're getting into the climate here, you know, once in a mill yeah. millennium flooding to countries, including Germany. What's that got to... Okay, so, I mean, how does that affect... Well, at okay. least that's a fact. We can say that that yeah, happened. Yeah, but how is that a black swan event? It's not a black swan event. Like that's not. You can't include that in your black swan events. I mean, I mean, okay, they're once in a once in a century flooding and that kind of stuff. But that hasn't severely disrupted the the, the German economy and that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? It's not. Or, or wildfires aren't. You know. Do we know that though? Well, well, those floods in Germany. Yeah. Well, if, you know, a couple of dozen people were killed, and it was one small town. Uh, a couple hundred. 
well, across a few yeah. different places, but still, you're talking about 80 million people, you know, in a massive economy. I mean, a little thing like that isn't going to, you can't highlight that as this, that this tipped over the economy or something like that. Do you know what okay, I mean? point taken. And look at the next example. There have also been near misses. In January, it transpires. What? We may, we may have been closer to nuclear war than at any time since the Cuban Missile Crisis. I don't remember that. What is he talking about? Yeah, the Chinese kind of blah, 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 Donald Trump was going to, Trump came out and said that, he, that, that that's complete bullshit, that what do you call him, General Milley or Miley or whatever his name is, that, yeah. that weird looking, that kind of, he's like, I don't know, he's like the quintessential like uh, kind of closet homosexual, you know, yeah, you know, grumpy general. Uh, he claimed, yeah, he claimed that Trump was going to, that he had to stop Trump from launching a nuclear war against China, which is complete and other horseshit. Okay, so know. that's not factual. <clears throat> that's so not true either. So remove that. that, remove the wildfires, remove, <clears throat> and what are you left with? Well, they're left with their claim that supermarkets are empty and gas stations are running out of fuel. Uh, are they? empty and or, or could be in are, a yeah. big, deep way, right? And then they've got a lovely little graphic down there, major threats fa facing the UK. There you go. Yeah, just, just look at, there you go. Just everybody print that out and just, you know, uh, you know, I don't know, check it off whenever you're, you're reading the news or something to see you've got, Looks like we've got a little a little splurge there, which is a, a virus, I suppose, the blue one, pink one, nuclear war, uh, red one, nuclear war. Um, is that a hand with, okay, the hand with money is like economy problems. Little bugs. What's the little bug? Uh, there's, a little, there's a little lion there as well, a little blue lion. Don't know what he's doing. Maybe that's lion attacks or something. Uh, I don't know. It's No, no, it's down there in the, the animal diseases. Oh, animal diseases, yeah. That's deadly, you know. Um, yeah, they're cool. No, but th this is interesting, though. Th this comes from a, a UK government agency. Oh, and, and uh, CBRN attacks, that's uh, cyber attacks, right? Uh, cyber attacks, high cons consequence infectious diseases. Uh, exclamation mark is system failures. Pandemicist. So you've got pandemics and high consequence infectious disease outbreaks. Hmm. Antimicrobial resistance, animal diseases, widespread electricity failures. Jesus, these people are... That's real doomsday right there, yeah. Uh, scroll down a little more so we can see more of the, uh, the key. The, look at the ones on the left. There's oh. one there that says um, in, under environmental hazards. The low temperatures and high temperatures. Severe space weather. Yep. Volcanic eruptions. Poor air quality earthquakes. Heat waves, droughts. Low temperatures. <laughs> Pretty much everything, right? River flooding, <laughs> coastal flooding, surface water flooding, three types of flooding. Environmental disasters overseas, that causes everybody to, to feel very, very disturbed. Um, serious and organized crime. Mm, industrial action, mm, societal risks. Industrial action, societal risk. Widespread public disorder. Mm. Well... I find things. Wow. I think it's interesting. That is this a government? This, like is, this key, is basically this is a government. This is what the government uses yeah, to write. The yeah. Telegraph is getting this directly from the National Risk Register, a UK government agency. So that's the kind of grid or matrix of things yeah. they have in mind all the time that they're willing to publish. Right. That's what the government's looking at every day. They have some serious, I bet, much more serious things that are tracking trends and whatnot. Mm hmm. And I see, I'm thinking that they have, well, we use AI in part, but also the actual monitoring, of the survey, you know, Scroll down a bit. understanding, interpretation of the data they're getting. Oh. 
Okay, Black Swan blindness. So how does it come to this? Why are so many Black Swan events coming at once? And what does it say about the UK's emergency planning? Emergency planning. Ah, God, then they bring in some professor, an expert on power and rationality and decision making. Okay. Our brains are not well suited for detecting extreme risks. Yeah, for sure. Some people's aren't anyway. Depends where you're looking for the extreme risks from. Um, embrace the fact that they're not predictable. Okay. Embrace unpredictability. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of interesting. Is, is there? Let's go to another one. Is there? Do we have another one? Um, more, more basically, more media. F well, can we call it fear mongering? Um, yeah. Um, here's another one from the Telegraph. These are all the same published the same day. I think yesterday, yesterday's Telegraph. They had apocalypse, winter of discontent, and uh, <laughs> there's two more. Hang on, I'm going to get both of them. Two of them are editorials, and one of them is the one we just saw is supposed to be like a fact-based news report, mm -hmm. but it's clearly full of both connecting the dots, mm -hmm. which we would do, which is generally good, a good idea, yeah, yeah. but also connecting of dots don't exist. Mm -hmm. You know, okay, so here's two more from the Telegraph yesterday. Um. Do you know what I mean? I understand why people are getting the overwhelming impression. Okay, the government's telling me to panic. I'm done with panicking. Mm -hmm. You know, we've had two years of this. There you go. Yesterday. The chill winds. Life about to get ugly. As Britain faces perfect storm of rising fuel bills, food shortages. And the chill winds are signal a second, i.e. referring also to 1979, a second winter of discontent is coming. Yeah. So, yeah. The thing about it is that that can happen, but um, at this point, like we were saying with the globalized economy and all that kind of stuff, that's not going to be only in the UK. You know what I mean? It could. People look at the problem is they're looking at it and looking at previous winters of discontent. And like I was saying earlier on, it was at a time when the UK was much more independent in various different ways than it is today. And a severe winter could indeed impact, could impact there. And that's it. A severe winter and, and you know, it's... Uh, the, the short, you know, it's, it's specific to the to the country, you know. Um, but today, if the UK is having energy shortages, and because of the fact that they import the vast majority of their energy, uh, and if they have a problem, then other people are going to have a problem as well. They can't be isolated anymore to the UK. Uh, so if you see these signs, that's why we're saying, like, if you see these signs in the UK, don't believe for a second that. Um, this is going to be limited to the UK if it transpires. It's going to be, it's going to spread very quickly because, like we keep saying, globalized economy. Uh, so the UK, in this respect, being an offshore island, and also like we we're saying about their energy independence or lack of it, and and their recent, you know, they may have made the situation a little bit worse with Brexit. They're basically acting as a serving as a canary in a coal mine right now, a canary in the coal mine. Uh, for this kind of thing, and if it transpires, you can expect it to transpire in a lot of other, a lot of other countries, and particularly Western countries. You know, well, really globally. At the end of the day, and the countries uh, con counterintuitively, the countries that will probably do a lot better in that kind of a worst case scenario situation are countries that have been, uh, for all these decades, seen as impoverished, poor third world countries, or whatever, uh, because they, by by being a po an impoverished, poor third world country, they generally have a lot more self reliance. They're forced yeah. into more self reliance. People in the West have been living high on the hog. 
because they get the lion's share of all of the uh, of the resources, basically, because you know the West rules rules the world. But uh, if the world no longer, for whatever reason, can't supply that high standard of living, then the ones who take a real hit are the ones who have been living high on the hog and aren't used to having to tighten their belts a little bit. So, um, yeah, the thing about it is, like we said last week, it's something to just keep a wa- keep an eye on, keep a watch on. We're kind of like, in a sense, we're serving as canaries in the coal mine right now by, by alerting people to it and getting them to think about it and getting them to uh, continue to watch uh, events as, as they transpire. And don't pay too much attention to the media. Pay, like, read articles, but don't believe everything they say. Don't take uh, alarmist headlines yeah. too seriously. Check what's going on. The main thing to do would be, along with watching what's going on, you know, taking things with a grain of salt and reading a bit into reading bet- between the lines, between the headlines or behind the headlines, and looking at other sources, you can get a better idea of, of, of what's really going on and, and how imminent anything might be. And also checking, keeping an eye on your local situation, because at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what's going on in the rest of the world when it comes down to it. It's what's happening in your local area and different areas will in this kind of situation of an economic crisis and f- food shortage etc different areas will be hit harder than than some areas will be hit, hit harder than others so uh, when it comes down to it yeah keep a check on what's going on in your local area keep a check on your local news and uh, your local environment so yeah. Um, yeah it's just something like we're not we're not here to make any long-term predictions and you know um more has to more has to happen before we can say with any certainty of or anybody can say with any certainty yeah. what's what's actually going to happen but um it it's, definitely it's, is it's a, a horrible mix isn't it because mm. it's a horrible mix of hysteria of which we've seen so much of in the last two years uh interesting slash accurate reporting and just propaganda pure propaganda i mm. mean the, the thing about trump we almost averted a nuclear war because it was Trump in power and Millie had to tell China, it's okay, we're not going to attack you. It's, I mean, that was totally misinterpreted yeah. by people in the States, like pro-Trump supporters this week. It was like, oh, Millie was giving away to the enemy. Yeah, what yeah. we would or would not do. Yeah. No, it was entirely no, You missed the point of that story. The point of the story was to vilify Trump. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's bizarre. That's why I say it's heady. And yeah, you're dead right. People have to really try and parse things. Take note of a general trend. Okay, so the general trend is clear, especially in Britain. It's like the apocalypse now headlines. Mm-hmm. Okay, then don't freak out. But then try to think why Why are they saying what they're saying now? Yep. Is there some reality to it? Yeah. What, what conclusion do they want me to draw from perhaps a correct interpretation of mm-hmm. reality? Mm-hmm. Because that's what it comes down to with the whole climate change thing. Mm-hmm. They're, we agree in that they're basically correct that things can change fast environmentally mm-hmm. over large areas of the earth if it's not an, a total global planetary mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. We just think it happens cyclically. Mm-hmm. Our conclusion is no, you know, making posters of Greta, s- school strikes and paying more taxes to the government isn't going to do anything to help it. No. You know, so the conclusion is faulty, but we'll agree and fair enough the flooding in Germany was a rare 
yeah, unbelievable also, thing. It's indicative of, of of what's been happening around the world. If you're if you're paying attention, there's something else you have to pay attention to is the way climate the climate is changing. Where you're having more extreme, more and more extreme. I mean, we've been charting it over years and years, yeah. so we can see that there is a, a significant increase year on year, or over the past ten years. Look back ten years and and the kind of events that you're seeing today, uh, really. You know, were unprecedented, or are unprecedented, yeah. in, in the, even in the past ten years. You know, and it's got worse and worse. And, um, and we're, in, we're, in part, we're calmer about it because it's kind of like, well, it, it, yeah, it's just, but it's more the same. Yeah, and it's, some, but it's, it's something else you have to keep an eye on, which is is that kind of extreme weather, and you know, infer from it or assume or look into it as to what effect it may be having on. Uh, on food supply, for example, you know what I mean? Is and there's always a lag in that. I think, as we said previously, there's going to be a lag in in, in food supply. If you look into you know, the transport of food around the world and how long it's stored and all that kind of stuff, and how it gets to supermarkets, yeah. there's a definite lag. There's a there's a there's a there's a storage of food in the same way as there's a storage of energy. <clears throat> there's a storage of food, and that's part of maybe one of the reasons why you have an energy crisis uh, right now is that a lot of countries are storing up their own supplies. I mean, and you combine that with for, for different reasons, uh, a restriction in the actual supply and countries stockpiling it themselves. It takes very little for people to get spooked, you know, and in a sense, they turn back towards the kind of independence era of, of, of independence-minded uh, or independence mindset of years gone by. They revert to looking after themselves and they try to stockpile and... Uh, in order to offset, but to get the jitters and they and, and they and they worry about it. and they see some. Especially when you see someone else doing it, you start doing it. Mm -hmm. You start worrying. You know, like what I mean? the toilet paper mania. Yeah, in March twenty twenty. It's mirrored in a certain sense from uh, between the, the the individual level. What individuals do, you know, governments tend to operate in that same way. You know what I mean? In in in, the, in a similar kind of situation. You know. Um. So yeah, that can that can cause cause those kind of problems, and it, yeah, definitely can snowball. Uh, uh, kind of out of control but again we're trying to look into what the source of it is what the origin of it is and it's very hard to perceive what the actual source of of any kind of a, a restriction in supply that causes governments to get uh, jittery and stockpile uh, resources, different resources that causes then more of a supply shortage like I said it snowballed, can snowball out of control but again there has to be something that initiates all of that. You know what I mean? There has to be something in the background that initiates the initial um, reduction in supply, however slight. It causes the jitters that it makes it worse and worse and worse. And like I keep saying in all of the articles you read about it somewhere, you'll read all the explanations as to why and they don't make a lot of sense. It's like general, okay, that kind of makes sense, but why, why, why? And then the only thing that really stands out and that maps to reality is the past 18 months of COVID madness that has caused, that definitely did have an impact on the on the economy in very different and complicated ways. But at this point, that's the best we can say is that if you're going to point the finger at anything, it was government policies of the 18, of the last eighteen months uh, around COVID, which, as everybody knows, from our perspective, were completely uh, unnecessary and uh, really extreme uh, and inappropriate for the level of threat to. To Western societies again. Then, so why did they do that? I mean, you keep going back and back and back. You know what I mean? There's always a question: Why? 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 Like little kids, you know. So why? And why? And why? And why? And you know, you go. You don't go. You don't go further down the rabbit hole. You go further up a, 
a kind of a chain, I suppose, in that respect. You have to keep looking for who's making the decisions, who's deciding for the deciders, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's all very complicated, but the bottom line is, Energy. Energy is, is is it not fairly tightly controlled? Not for sure, yeah. The primary spigots of energy in the world. Um, it's a it's a well oiled machine, it is. Intended. And but it does make sense. Those prices are going up. Why? Because there's a lack of no. There's yeah. not a lack of oil or gas. No, the, the there's pri- a glut. Yeah, the prices are going up because there's a lot of demand. You know, that was one of the things we were saying last week. Was that one of the explanations is that when there was contraction in the global economy, there was less actual demand for energy resources. Uh, and then when the, that demand came back online, anytime there's demand, prices go up. Why? Just because when people want stuff, we put the prices up so we can make more money out of it, you know? Um, yeah. So it's all, there's many different factors to it and it's all, con- they're all conspiring to create, uh, you know, to at least give a hint of, of there being a, a serious food bar coming down the line, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, if not in the immediate short term, like up until till till the end of this year but then certainly in the next year um, I think we're going to be seeing uh, a worsening a worsening of the situation and a spreading of the situation uh, to different countries so you have to keep an eye on it you know yeah do we want to move on from yeah or move sideways yeah because there's only so much you can say about that we're just like we're saying the yeah. whole point of us talking about this is to alert people and to give them a, a heads up and tell them that they need to watch we're not here to give all the answers we're here to kind of give as many answers as we can come up with and then but to convey to people that they need to keep an eye on on the, the world around them and stop relying so much on government to sort out all your problems at the because what we're fairly sure of is that at some point in the not too distant future you are going to have to rely on yourself and you don't want to be put in a position where you haven't made any preparations for relying on yourself uh, and, and looking after yourself and your immediate family and friends or whatever, or just even your immediate family. You need to really be start thinking that way because there's a lot of signs that that, that is in the near future. And you do not want to be reliant on government at that point in time because the bottom line is government doesn't care about you. They don't care about you individually. They only care about controlling the population. And in a case where a lot of people are... In, in dire straits and they're out in the streets and they're complaining government will revert, revert to or will continue or will, will do what it does best and do what it's, it's what it's meant to do or what it's tasked supposedly with doing which is control the population it's not caring for the population it's control of the population so watch out watch out and get physical because sitting at your computer Problem solving these problems virtually. I think it, you have to balance it, the two. You, yeah, you got to get hands on to some extent. I mean, well, you can try. Like if you're trying to be <clears throat> trying to think ahead, you can just like click click Amazon and buy. But watch what happens now. How many things are out of stock, and how for how long will they be out of stock? Are they gone? Are good are they not going to be shipped anymore mm-hmm. you're going to have to find other solutions which means using your hands so yeah using your hands to go and rob an amazon <laughs> no no okay sorry finding other way, usually it means making the damn thing yourself or yeah. cooking the damn thing yourself mm. or canning the damn thing yourself yeah yeah 
Yeah, so um, in the world of COVID, COVID world, that a lot of people live in still. Uh, no, that's over, no? COVID's still going, yeah. I thought we declared pandemic over. Um, oh, no, we didn't. But YouTube found that video, so. We said, because we said that. It's still, it's still going. The pandemic lives. Officially, for, officially forever, it is, YouTube. yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you know who you don't want to be? You don't want to be, um, just play like Canada Health Minister videos. You don't want to be like this woman. This is an example of, before we play it, this is, this is a Canadian Health Minister. She's at a press conference or something. And this, so this is the person who's making the decisions, right? Uh, and just watch her behavior here and, and be and be very, very concerned that someone like this is making decisions uh, for, in the case of Canada, 20-some million people about their health. Hydrogel to take the mask off. After take the mask off, more hydrogel, because you've just touched your mask. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for coming today. And I will now turn the podium over to Minister Lagrange. And she finished her speech and a bit more hand gel. <laughs> and then mask goes back on. And be okay, she didn't do the hand, hand gel. Oh, no, she, she forgot, yeah. There should have been another one. There should have been another hand yeah, gel there. Yeah, but this yeah. but then Oh hand gel. She does a hand gel. And then boom thank jumps you, forward to <coughs> pardon me thank you dr henshaw and good morning to everyone dr henshaw is, a, is a health uh, good morning dr henshaw it's a good question uh, here you actually said in your um, comments that eight times more children were hospitalized oh. for anxiety Angel. <laughs> during these past 18 months was this as a result of the lockdowns or health measures and how does this differ from previous more Angel, years she took her mask off. hard numbers on that Thank you for the question. That's a good question. I'm, I'm sorry I wasn't listening to it very much because I was focused on washing my hands with a hand gel, but it was a good question. And the funny thing is people are looking at that and going, she's nuts and she obviously is not. I mean, it's like a mind job was done on her, obviously, about hand gel. She like, or, or she's really taken the, 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 you know, public project, the projection of the, of the, what you should do to, yes, for the public. Seriously. Now you've got to really show an example to the public here of how you should, how often you should use hand gel, which is fucking all the time. Basically every five seconds, you got to put some hand gel on. Um, but the question actually from the woman was, uh, about children, uh, uh, suffering different health, health, health effects over the past 18 months and stuff. And she, the woman just said, so is that, do you think that's about the, the virus or is that because of lockdowns? <laughs> We didn't get to hear the answer, but you can imagine what the answer was. No, it's definitely COVID. Um, did you not just see what I did with my hands? Yeah, obviously, it's obviously, you got to do. Well, a lot of the people have shown videos where you know the cameras where they're off camera and then they go in at the podium. Yeah, the, that's happens all the time, and they don't believe it all. They're no. just, but they're doing it because they're acting. Yeah, yeah. Some sure. of them, though, I can imagine are deadly. Deadly they're the good is. ones, yeah. They're the ones who can be relied on to stand up there. But they're kind of automatons as well, and they're just reading. Uh, reading from the script it's so they have a they have a, they serve a function in that respect but they're not you know you know they're not uh, they're not as savvy and aware of the whole situation as the people who take their masks off and only put them on whenever the cameras appear you know put those on because then they i suppose those are more thinking people and they they're more more aware of the manipulation that's going on 
um, which is a negative because they get exposed in that way by only putting their mask on for cameras, but they're also better able to like bullshit the population because they know that we're dealing with uh, we're dealing with propaganda here. We got to propagandize, you know. She seems to have swallowed it. Hook, line, right. hook, line, and center, sinker. So she's like, she's convinced. She, she doesn't know that. She doesn't think there's any manipulation going on here at all, you know, because um, she's lost her marbles. But anyway, she's a health minister of Canada. So um, I don't know. Uh, good luck, Canadians. Um, uh, yeah. So the thing that was just a little intro, I suppose, to what's going on in the state of the state of COVID world. Uh, she's a good example of it. Um, both in terms of how it's affected some people and the kind of stuff that governments are, are, are still doing in terms of the propaganda. Um, but there's a, there's a thing, I mean, it's been around for quite a while, uh, several weeks, if not months, the idea that when people get vaccinated, they're shedding the vaccine or they're shedding the spike proteins. In terms of the mRNA vaccines, they're shedding the spike proteins um, <clears throat> and other people are getting infected with spike proteins, supposedly. Um, this has been kind of spun in by, by different people on social media that this is one way that they're actually vaccinating everybody, mm. right? Of course, in a lot of countries, 80% of the population have been vaccinated, so it's only 20% who would be getting vaccinated in this way. But of course, that's a bit of a stretch, and this is a part of the problem in terms of the average person. You know, fair play to them, they all see what's going on, that, that, that the whole thing is overblown and overstated, and, you know, it's been a pretty... Pretty, uh, a pretty interesting, you know, uh, foray into totalitarianism that we've ex- experienced over the past eighteen months under the guise of a health health crisis, and fair play, fair play to those people who recognise it, but they go a little bit too far, and you know they don't really know. I suppose they don't look too much into it and look at what the, look at what they're look at the credibility of or, or otherwise of what they're claiming. So they just paint it with a broad brush and make make these uh, dramatic claims that you know stay away from vaccinated people because they're shedding spike proteins and stuff. Of course, there's lots, if you look at, if you look at counters to that, there's a lot of, because uh, I like to look at what these people say and then look at, especially ones that gain traction, like allegations like that, that people who get vaccinated are shedding the spike protein or shedding the virus or mm-hmm. shed, shedding the vaccine, not shedding the virus. Anyway, so then there's knowledgeable people who come in and uh, provide a counter to that and dismiss it and of course they generally expose their their bias by writing very dismissively of, dismissively of these you know uh, of these ignorant anti-vaxxers and you know mm. and they exp- and they explain with citations as to how that's impossible the so just as an example of that um this so this is from a um Put up the one from AP News, right? This is just one um, article, and it's back in April. So this was, so yeah, it's going back like almost six, well, six months, six months that this idea of the vaccines shedding, and this is AP giving a. There's a one from Politifact as well who did did the same thing. And they claim that the COVID vaccine is shedding from person to person as a result. Unvaccinated people are in close proximity to vaccinated people are having changes in their period or miscarriages. So already at that point, it was for women uh, for miscarriages or problems with their period. And AP's assessment is that's false. It is biologically impossible for a vaccinated person to spread the vaccine to someone who hasn't been vaccinated. And evidence shows that the COVID-19 vaccine 
does not cause miscarriages in those who have gotten it. And I suppose that would mean changes in their period or problems with their period. Um, so I looked up, I had the, co the Pfizer trials, a document, one of the documents about the Pfizer trials, and it's uh, Pfizer, just go to Pfizer 1, Scotty. Um, so the phase 1, 2, 3, placebo-controlled, randomized, observer-blind, blah, 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 for the efficacy, safety, tolerability, immunogenicity, and efficacy of SARS-CoV-2 RNA vaccine candidates against blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so biotech, Pfizer, uh, note study intervention name. So the study intervention, so RNA-based COVID-19 vaccines in this document are called study intervention. They're referred to as the study intervention. That means the COVID vaccine. Yeah. Uh, go to number two. In this document, page 62, exposure during pregnancy. This is page 62, yeah. Exposure during pregnancy occurs if a female participant is found to be pregnant while receiving or after discontinuing study intervention. So that means that a woman who has, a female participant who has had the vaccine becomes pregnant. Then you could have, that's exposure. I mean, it's obviously exposure, right? Because you've, you've been injected with it, right? Or a male participant who's receiving or who has discontinued study intervention exposes a female partner prior to or around the time of conception. Now, that, that's kind of like the second one. There's the important one and the others as well. So a, a male participant uh, who exposes a female partner prior to the round of conception. So basically what they're saying is someone who is in the study who received the COVID vaccine can, can. can cause exposure to a pregnant woman, to a pregnant, his pregnant wife or partner by having... Through had, sex, presumably. Well, no, I, I don't know, whatever way. No, actually... A female is found to be pregnant while being exposed or having been exposed to study intervention due to environmental exposure. Below are examples of environmental exposure during pregnancy. A female family member or healthcare provider reports that she is pregnant after having been exposed to the study intervention by inhalation or skin contact. Now, you don't inhale or get the vaccine through skin contact. That means from another person, i.e. So a female family member or a healthcare provider, so just somebody who is pregnant and has been exposed to the vaccine by inhalation. Or again, a male family member or healthcare provider who has been exposed to the study intervention by inhalation or contact. And it's interesting there. It, it goes from someone who has got the vaccine and then can transmit it or expose someone else to something from the vaccine or some aspect of the vaccine. They're not very clear. To their babies so, during pregnancy, or so to a, that's to within a, them. No, to a partner. A female right. family member, a healthcare provider, reports that she is pregnant after having been exposed to the study intervention by inhalation or skin contact. S exposed to the study intervention by inhalation or skin contact means that a person who is not vaccinated has been exposed to the vaccine by inhalation or skin contact from someone who has had the vaccine. But then they go further in the third one, or the, the, the last one. No, sorry. Go back to that. They go... Scotty, go back. Yeah. A male fault family member or healthcare provider who has been exposed to the study intervention, i.e., so that's a male, uh, a person, or healthcare provider, whoever, a person, a male, 
who was exposed to the, to the vaccine by inhalation, who then exposes his female partner prior to her at the time of conception. So it's basically, Scotty's been vaccinated. He gives you, quote-unquote, the vaccine. Obviously, that's not what they mean, but he, you're exposed to something, a, a product or a byproduct of the vaccine. It's not the liquid vaccine. It's no, you, the he's virus. Been, he's from, been injected with yeah. the vaccine. Yeah. You're around him. Yeah. You get, you're exposed to it, according to them. You then can expose me as well. So what the hell is AP talking about? Well, uh, just go to the next one. Um, this is all, well, this is just during breastfeeding. So a female participant is found to be breastfeeding while receiving or after discontinuing the study of intervention. That's someone, a female who's been vaccinated who's breastfeeding. Um, this is exposure to the child, I suppose. But also a female is found to be breastfeeding while being exposed or having been exposed to study intervention, environmental exposure. So this is not, it's not just a, a female who, who, who has had the vaccine can then transmit it to her child, but a female who has been around someone who's been vaccinated then is exposed to it herself and can transmit it to the child. So anyway, the point, uh, just, just not to be too... Um, but F Pfizer is effectively saying everyone has already been vaccinated. Yeah, just go to Pfizer for there. So this was in, in PolitiFact, and this was citing that report, that study report that I just, we just looked at. And they, if you let's just read this. This is how their ruling was that uh, the ruling at the bottom is an Instagram post claiming that you can be vaccinated regardless of whether you receive the shot or not is, sorry, uh, I just missed the last part, but it's false, right? They don't, they say it's not true. But, and, and this part above addresses specifically that, Pfizer document talking about exposing people and they say, in short, the passage is described by experts as standard language meant to widely cover any possible exposures and ensure that the clinical trial process is rigorously regulated. Its inclusion in the safety protocol means that investigators are made aware when, for example, a pregnant person has been environmentally exposed to the vaccine. This information enables them to study whether there is any effect. So that they, they claim it's false that this claim on Instagram or wherever, wherever else that people can shed the vaccine. Mm -hmm. But we just looked at Pfizer and they seem to be making it pretty clear that it's they possible. looked at whether or not it's possible to shed the vaccine. And these people are saying that the claim therefore is false simply because, and their only, their only justification for saying it's false is that Pfizer did it just because they included that because they wanted to see if it would actually happen. Now that for me is not a, it's not a slam dunk outright refutation of the claim that the, that, that the vaccine can be can be shed. Uh, right. Pfizer was obviously looking at whether or not the vaccine could be shed. Did they? Are there any follow up reports? Uh, they had in their document the uh, exposure during pregnancy was directly from that environmentally uh, infected or environmentally uh, whatever word they used. Uh, environmental spread basically of the vaccine from someone who was who had the vaccine um, and they use that language you know the language they used is uh, um, the language they used is intervention study intervention <laughs> study intervention name is RNA based COVID-19 vaccines and then they use that term study intervention someone who someone who was part of the study intervention i.e. someone who got the vaccine yeah why are you using phase. study intervention like they use this convoluted yeah. terminology 
you know, you would you could argue that it's to hide, you know, to, to prevent people from seeing, but getting alarmed by it type thing. But still, that's that's the fact of the matter. But still, someone looked at it, drew the correct conclusion, and made said there's something post, here, yeah. and then but the then, media says, "Well, we're going to fact check this, right? And we're going to rule that it's untrue, and right. we're going to we're going to dissimulate over the semantics, right? And we're going to." In fact, we're going to go further than that. We're going to presume that the language was included in the Pfizer document because they were, quote, sort of legally just, covering all the bases. They weren't actually saying that that's what can happen. No, they were just checking to see if it can happen or not. Yeah, they've been, they've been doing this the whole time. But that's, that was back in April that that first kind of started coming out and it's been ongoing since then and people are still posting about it and people are posting, posting refutation of it, you know, long... Dis dissertations on how this is ridiculous and how you can't share the vaccine and studies showing that there's only a small amount of, pro of spike proteins found in, in blood samples taken from people, etc., etc. But again, you know, these people don't really... The point is they don't know what they're talking about and they come across like they do know what they're talking about and, it, and it's totally disingenuous because this is an experimental vaccine and they are only finding out what actually happens. After the fact long after the fact and they don't know so for it really pisses me off when I see these guys come out when they're in these arrogant kind of long posts you know and not just average people but let's say people who from the industry of PhDs and are, are doctors and stuff like that and come out and just trash it and have this really really you know nasty tone about these ridiculous anti-vaxxers and all this kind of stuff uh, real self-righteousness you know uh, but they you know they, they attempt to rubbish the, these claims but they have no when you look at it they, they don't really refute the claims entirely. And of course, it's easy to, to, to make fun of these anti-vaxxers and quote-unquote anti-vaxxers uh, because of the way they talk about it, because they're talking about it from a, let's say, uneducated point of view. They're not, they're not uh, medical professionals. They're not in the industry. But still, their, their, their questions and their concerns are valid because that... Uh, that one we just looked at in AP, no, in, in April 29th, uh, in 2000, this year, no COVID-19 vaccines do not shed. And the claim, the claim that they're refuting, the COVID-19, this is AP, right, mainstream media, the COVID-19 vaccine is shedding from person to person. As a result, unvaccinated people who are in close proximity to vaccin vaccinated people are having changes in their periods. AP's assessment, false. Go to... The next, the Yahoo articles, Kelly. Do I need to read it out? Yeah, you should. COVID-19 vaccines impact on menstrual cycles needs to be investigated after 30,000 women report changes, says top scientist. Go to the next one, ABC News. That's from last week. After people spoke about COVID-19 vaccines and period changes, research is underway. That's Tele ABC News citing the NIH just two days ago. Telegraph. Next one. Why didn't doctors listen to women about the link between COVID vaccines and periods? A new study reveals that thousands of women experienced irregularities after the jab, yet the medical establishment seems disinterested. Uh, and then let's go to the video. Lena Wen. I don't know if you know who Lena Wen is, but Lena Wen is. Oh, I've uh, seen her. She's, she's all over the media, and she, she was actually looking at a reporter recently. She was actually interviewed, and in, she's from Boston, 
And she was interviewed by CNN right after, or maybe it was MSNBC, don't know, one of the two. She was interviewed by a bunch of people right after the Boston Marathon bombing because hmm. a lot of people who were injured then came to her hospital. Right. Um, but anyway, uh, Lena Wen... Liana Wen, I think. Liana, sorry. Liana Wen, yeah. She um, is a... She's a doctor and she's written lots of books about different medical stuff. Very popular. She's on CNN. She was the Boston Health Commissioner for a while as well. So she's fairly high profile in, in the medical industry, in at least in, in the Boston area. But she's all over the media and has been for months and months now over the uh, given oh, yeah. canned opinions on, on, on COVID and, and really pushing... Well, she was calling push, for medical apartheid. Medical apartheid and, and pushing vaccines. So she's really a darling of the media in that respect because she's really pushing that. She's going further than Fauci, you know. Yeah. Um, but just go back to the video, Scotty. Um, listen to her in, on this topic. And those who are vaccinated, we now know, based on the CDC, they are now able, We, but with the Delta variant, because they carry so much more virus, they could transmit it to their unvaccinated family members. And so I, for example, even though I'm fully vaccinated, my children are not because they're too young to be vaccinated. So I need to be now careful for my children because of all the unvaccinated people around us. And those so, so what she's saying is... <laughs> what she's saying is everyone's already vaccinated the unvaccinated are dangerous effectively to the unvaccinated because of the vaccinated so everyone needs to get vaccinated yes to protect the unvaccinated from the vaccinated yeah it's, it's weird it's, a, it's, a step, it's so a step, obviously a step, circular it's a step further people are claiming like anti-vaxxers were claiming that the unvaccinated uh or sorry, not anti-vaxxers, but the pro-vaxxer establishment, whatever the official narrative is, that the unvaccinated are dangerous to the to the vaccinated, right? That was already a stretch, right? Uh-huh. But there's, she added an extra element to it, which is the unvaccinated are dangerous to the other unvaccinated because of vaccinated people. It's kind of switched around that vaccinated people can spread it to to, to unvaccinated people who then spread it to other unvaccinated people. You know what I mean? So it's like uh-huh. you, can, you basically vaccinated people become the 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 the, the typhoid Marys for the. That's basically what she said. That vaccinated people become the source of the spread throughout society from person to person among all of the unvaccinated. Which um, is so basically, what she's saying, saying you're, you're dangerous. Beginning. Vaccinated people are dangerous to the unvaccinated. Yeah, and because that's what... and she said at the very beginning because they carry a, such a, a, a higher viral load. She said that we know now, according to the CDC, that because uh, vaccinated people ca- carry a much higher viral load that they are spreading much higher amounts of the virus to unvaccinated people. So unvaccinated people need to get vaccinated. It's like, I don't know how, what an analogy would be, but it's like, that's not a good argument for me getting vaccinated. It's an, an, it's, it's an argument for me to stay the hell away from vaccinated people. Yeah, to people. run out of the room screaming. Do you, know, um, do you know how many people, do you know how many viruses you and me and everybody else in this world breathe in and out every day? Hundreds. hundred million every day. A hundred million. Just FYI. I know it's a bit late in the day to be mentioning that, but that's something that people might have been interested in knowing at the beginning. You know, just so what you're of, saying is I need to stop breathing. Well, yeah. And also, you know, yeah, people are breathing it. I mean, this, that's been the truth. That's been the, the fact of the matter from the very beginning is that masks or no masks, whatever. It's, you know, it you're, you're, breathing, you're breathing out yeah. viruses. A hundred million what? virus particles 
of di- of you know millions, literally millions and millions of different viruses uh, every single day, thousands and thousands every moment or every day. Um, so I mean, it just it, it it exposes the whole hysteria around it, and the, the hysteria around it was all based on ignorance, basically, yeah. on people's complete ignorance of yeah. viruses, what they are, and and you know how they how they work. Basically, we we we, we tricked ourselves into believing that you can actually avoid a virus, a specific one. Yeah, you cannot. You can no. never could. You can mitigate the effects of it, uh, even prophylactically. You don't have to wait until you think you've caught it. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's a scientific impossibility to prevent, especially this kind of virus. But that, we were harping on that in the beginning, but off they went down aboard the uh, SS coronavirus, and they're still on that uh, doomed cruise ship. But to get to the specific claim here, given that Pfizer says, and given that at least they are beginning to acknowledge that there are some results, in fact, of the shedding of the spike proteins and thus the infection and causing ill mm. in the unvaccinated by the vaccinated. Mm-hmm. There's how that. Many, how, wait a minute. How many people have been vaccinated? Just with Pfizer, hundreds of millions. It's a predominant one, yeah. Okay, let's say it's hundreds of millions, uh, or let's say specific countries where it was the vaccine. It's dominant in certain Western European countries. In the US, it's dominant yeah. in the U.S. and Israel. Israel's still like, no, no, the remaining 10% must be vaccinated. Are you kidding me? Given this, surely everyone is swimming in the same virus now at this point. Well, that's the big question. That, uh, that's and why do you need to jab them? The, yeah, exactly. Well, the problem is like that, as, as I mentioned before, is the thing that really annoyed me throughout this entire period, right from the get-go, at least within a couple of months, was I wanted to know daily updates and all the daily updates that people were being given by governments and stuff. I wanted to know one, the only one I wanted to really wanted to know was how many people estimates of how many people globally had come in contact with uh, the virus. Estimated, he estimated every year for the flu. The CDC estimates it, and other countries estimate every single year, going back decades, for how many people contracted the flu based on your modelling. So use your fancy modelling to tell me how many people around the world have contracted this. Uh, virus, because only then can I get an accurate infection fatality rate or an infection case rate, whatever you want to call it. But basically, how many people become ill as a result of? Because we know exactly, right? Well, not exactly, but let's say, let's say, let's give them the benefit of the doubt, and that all the cases and all the fatalities are accurate, even though we have reason to suspect they're not. But let's uh, let's take that at face value. They give you a number, a rolling ticker every day of new deaths and how many total deaths around the world have been going on. I, the piece of missing information that was glaringly obvious all the way through that, all along, was how many people have been infected. That number of deaths is irrelevant if you don't tell me how many people have been infected, because only then can I know a risk, the risk, calculate a risk level from it. But they never, ever, ever did that. I mean. Some media maybe threw out some numbers or whatever, but it's been very kind of it's just like, yeah, maybe a bunch, maybe 50% of the world's problem. I don't know, maybe 50%. Beforehand, it was like they were on the, on point with estimating uh, flu infections around the world and, you know, doing it properly. But this time, no, it was like almost like there was a shutdown on don't talk about how many people around the world are infected. Because if it's half the world's population, over 70% of the world's population, do the math then on the, on the, on the fatality and come yeah. up, come up with... Yeah, yeah. Well, in the absence of that, the thing you can hang your hat on is what is going on with overall all-cause 
excess mortality rates are more people dying than before. Yeah. And they weren't. No. There was some variability locally, but it was extremely consistent with patterns going back years and decades. Yeah. So th that right there blows it out of the water in the absence of being able to, you know, speculate or guesstimate. Yeah. On the real case fatality ratio. Yeah. There's one, one more that people may, may not have, uh, may not have seen. Yeah, it may be useful just to, just to underline the point. It's, um, another, a, a video from, uh, Israeli news, uh, from maybe, uh, not that long ago, four or five days ago. Um, you need to read the subs. So, um, I can read the subs out actually. This is how it looks in percentage. 90% of the cases were fully vaccinated and 10% were unvaccinated. General percentage of vaccination in Israel. Unfortunately, it's similar. 94% in Israel are vaccinated. Jesus. Why, unfortunately, it's encouraging that so many people got vaccinated and we can see that it is being reflected in severe morbidity. But the fact that the portion of vaccinated in the 60-plus population is almost identical to their portion in verified cases is saying that at the age of 60 and above, there's almost no difference between vaccinated or not. You have the same chances of getting the disease. And this is exactly what the third dose of the vaccine is supposed to change. <clears throat> However, only people over 60 are getting it. Decline in efficiency of the vaccine is preventing transmission. We've also seen younger people getting it. And we'll add the conclusion of the CDC. In their document that was released this week at the New York Times, they wrote that if a person was being infected with Delta, the viral load in vaccinated people is not lower than the one that is present in unvaccinated people. That's basically vaccinated people that got infected can transmit the disease exactly the same as unvaccinated people. Yeah. So, blah, blah, blah. Might be worth re-examining the issue of self-quarantine. So, that happened a little fast for me to, to follow his logic. He seemed to say 94% of people are vaccinated. Mm-hmm. And in all the cases. Unfortunately, because there's 6% of the population who remain unvaccinated, we saw 250 new cases of COVID-19 in Israel last week. And, and what? How did that break down? He's saying those two... Did he claim that those 250 new cases were all unvaccinated people? No. Uh, 279 cases of over 60, 250 were fully vaccinated. Blah, blah, blah. Then he went on and said, 
this should keep up morale or something for people to go and get the third booster shot. How, how what was... Well, he said there's not, he said at the end there's not much point in getting the vaccine for people over 60 anyway. It's obviously the same for people under 60 as well because, I mean, he threw a, he threw a little a bone to the to the pro-vaxxers that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's occurring in younger people and stuff, blah, blah, blah. But uh, the bottom line is that, you know, there's no, there's no evidence that there's any kind of a pandemic among younger people or, or anything like that, nothing, nothing significant. And the bottom line is that in Israel, which was on first with these mRNA vaccines, and, you know, you look at them to see how they're actually working, and he's basically saying that there's no reason for anybody over, over 60, uh, and you can ex- expand that out to pretty much anybody, there's no reason for anybody to get the vaccine because your chances of when you've got the vaccine, uh, well... He actually soft sold it a little bit. He was saying that there's there's no difference that if you get the vaccine, you don't, don't get the vaccine, you, you have exactly the same risk of getting any severe COVID uh, based on their numbers, the numbers of, of people in the hospital. But actually, if you look at all of their cases, uh, the vast majority were all fully vaccinated. So it suggests that actually you're far better off not getting the vaccine if you want to protect yourself from COVID. And Israel, the studies from Israel have already shown, shown that, that the, that the immune response among uh, from people who are naturally infected with the vaccine was much stronger and longer lasting than, pe- than the immune response or the protection or, uh, f- from people who are vaccinated. Um, so, did yeah, I hear somewhere? I mean, and that's and again that gets back to the idea of how many people have been exposed to the virus because people the idea of being exposed to the virus you don't have to get uh, symptoms. The vast majority of people won't get any symptoms. They're still exposed to it. They still developed a strong, long-lasting immunity through natural infection, uh, which is why the whole idea of, of, of estimating how many people around the world have been exposed to it is, is a problem because the vast majority of people won't have any symptoms at all. Well, maybe not the vast majority, but the majority of people won't have any symptoms at all. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's all this stuff is coming out of Israel. Israel's weird in the sense that it's um, that that very often, not very often, but now and again, the stuff out of Israel and different topics reveals a truth that you wouldn't ex- really expect to come from that source. And I don't know why it is. You know, what I mean, it's something within the Israeli media or the Israeli culture or mentality. But they sometimes they really drop some truth bombs. You know well, what I mean? If it's true what he said that they have ninety four percent vaccination compliance. Yeah, we can and, call it that. And nearly all of their cases then and, no, and hospitalizations are among no, vaccinated. They have some. They do have a weekly protest, you know, from yeah. the remaining tiny minority. But they've no problem reporting yeah. the facts, the facts to people. Uh, yeah, and it's, it's not going the way it's they done. Want. Yeah, especially if you want them to get boosters. I mean, this the reason they would report that kind of thing is because it serves the the. the the vaccination campaign, if you want to add a third third booster shot, and he mentioned that, that's why we're going for the third booster shot, because basically uh, the vaccination doesn't really protect you any more than uh, if did, you don't, if you don't, you don't get it. It doesn't give you protection, you, so you need a third booster. Did I read from some source that um, the efficacy, the, the, the time for which your uh, immunity is conferred by a Pfizer jab at this point is 12 days? Where yeah, was that, from? that from was Israel. that was yeah that was from Israel yeah that was uh, after twelve days the the it's not just some YouTuber the, saying that that's no was uh, reported yeah by yeah the media. for sure yeah and again it's out of Israel and it's uh, it showed that the uh, protection waned significantly in terms of the immune response the antibodies etc um, uh, waned significantly after twelve days um, 
So basically you're back to square one after getting the vaccine, after getting one of these mRNA vaccines, you're back to square one after. It can be, it could be that you're back to square one after 12 days, and uh, which is why they're talking about booster shots and why they, you need them regularly, you know. But again, it's all based on the fault, faulty premise that anybody needed a vaccine against this virus, except maybe the people who, you know, was particularly tailored to and very poor health. But the idea that anybody needed a vaccine for this virus, for this virus is, uh, is just fundamentally false. Uh, again, studies have shown that uh, natural immunity, when people contract or come in contact with or exposed to the virus, uh, they quickly and immediately, normal healthy people, quickly and immediately develop a robust, strong, long-lasting immune response to it that is much better than the immune response that's provoked by the vaccine. So why would anybody get the vaccine? Well, it makes a lot of money for pharmaceutical companies and maybe there's other nefarious reasons why government wants to do it, whatever. But yeah, well, nefarious reasons, just look at the, look at the last 18 months and what's happened and you got all your nefarious reasons right there, you know. Um, but yeah, but it, there's there's really important. It's go ahead. Bizarre world. Most, it is. Most people don't see this. Like, no. Well, it's bizarre that people don't see it. Yeah, for sure. Um, but they're not able to see it. Uh, but I mean, they grew up in the eighties, seventies, whatever. <laughs> they know about. Do they not have any body memory of getting ill in the winter? Getting better with. You know, just some rest, stuff like that. Basically, they, they know what I'm saying. They know that, that they can get over something and be stronger for it. Yeah, but they were told they that won't this... won't get that sickness again. But they were told that this was a deadly disease that would kill anybody. I mean, I, I have to remember my uh, friend of my mother's, you know, who uh, voiced the sentiment of everybody their age, kind of elderly, in perfect health, but still, uh, as a result of a few weeks of government programming was, if we get this, we're goners. You know, how did she get that message? Well, you have to go back and you have to try and remember and go back to March, mid-March, April uh, last year and put yourself back in that fear and loathing that was going around. And where did it come from? Well, it came from government. It came from the media. Was it was it appropriate? Absolutely not. I mean, we've explained maybe before why, on, on previous shows, why that actually happened. <clears throat> it was almost undoubtedly, I mean, I think the, the jury is in uh, the objective jury is in on where this virus came from. It was manufactured in a lab, most likely Fort Detrick in the U.S. in around mid uh, um, mid mid uh, summer uh, or middle of the year 2019, and uh, it was then dropped in one way or another on China. The Chinese didn't know what was going on, thought it was a bioweapon because they looked at it and saw immediately that it was definitely manufactured in a lab. We didn't do it. Someone brought this here, probably America. Is this like one of our worst fears being realized that America was going to launch a biological weapon uh, attack on, on, on China? Because, I mean, look at the way they're talking about China, have been talking about China. They're talking about war with China, threatening China. Chinese were, it was a reasonable response. Initially, when they saw that it was manufactured in a lab to activate their biowarfare uh, protocols, that freaked everybody in, in the West out, except the people who knew where it came from. And uh, everybody did the same thing. Yeah. It, was just, it, just, it was like mass hysteria took hold and the media yeah. and government fueled it. And uh, quickly, though, they all realized, in particular the Chinese, quickly realized that it was really not much of a threat at all. It wasn't a big deal. And China kind of calmed everything down. But in the West, they kept it going. And they took it as a, a free gift. Governments took it as a free gift in order to exert uh, their influence and their control over the population. Because that's, like I keep saying, is what governments, uh, a government, the government mandate, the fundamental government mandate is to control the population, not care for the population, control the population. 
and this is a perfect opportunity dropped in their lap to institute those kind of levels, you know, extreme strictures and controls of the population. Yeah, they've lightened them up, but something remains. The psychological effect on the entire population, populations around the world, remains and remains to this day. And that's why they won't give it up. They'll keep talking about it because it's a tool to continue to control the population and governments enjoy controlling the population. That is their job, ultimately. It justifies their positions and justifies their salaries and their positions of power and influence that they exploit all the time. Um, but, well, there's two, actually, things. I don't know, there's one thing that was just a little... I thought it was interesting. I'm just going to throw it out there as a little, little... How can there be a but to that monologue? I don't know. But governments are nice sometimes. No, no. but... There's hope. No, there's not hope. Uh, maybe there is. There is hope. Of course, there's always hope. Uh, go to that BBC. There's a little event there just today, actually. Amtrak train uh, derailed in Montana, killing three and injuring dozens. Uh, big deal. Train goes off the, off the line. But go down to the uh, just second paragraph. Several carriages from the Amtrak Empire Builder passenger train. Do you know what that means, Neil? The Empire the Builder. The Empire Builders are has going de- off the rails. Derailed. Derailed. <laughs> uh, no, I just thought I'd throw it out there. I thought it was interesting. interesting. Near the town of Joplin, which was where that massive tornado hit several years ago. Right. Let's go back to the. <laughs> just to tell you what's going on to distract you, go back to the uh, the Twitter I just sent you a minute ago. Uh, to distract you, what's going on to distract you, distract the vast majority of people from what's really important is well. Uh, elucidated and enunciated by this interview with this Mr. Nobody. He should be somebody, but he's nobody. He's the, actually the, the shadow prime minister. He's the opposition leader in the UK, Keir Starmer. And he was asked in a really important interview, a really important question. Just play it there. Is it transphobic to say only women have a cervix? Well, it is uh, something that uh, shouldn't be said. It is not right, but Andrew, I don't think that <laughs> but, 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 should not have said that. Can you explain to people watching why she should not have said that? Well, Andrew, I don't think that um, we can just go through various things that people have said. Rosie Duffield, I spoke to Rosie earlier you can this cut it there. Uh, week it's just and told her bullshit. the conference was a safe safe place for her to come. And it is a safe place for her to come. It's well, a he, safe place. He's a hapless, but it's Andrew Marr who tried to trip him. Yeah, but, well, but, <laughs> but the point about it is that is, you know... That's a debate that's going on. Right. While all the stuff that we're talking about is is you know is going on uh, in the background to some extent or in the foreground, the, the way we mm-hmm. where we're looking at it and seeing it and trying to bring some bring some truth to it. Most of the a lot of people are being distracted by questions like that. Is it wrong to say that only women have services? And he thinks there's the leader of the opposition in the UK thinks that it absolutely should not have been said. Because people who are not women also have cervixes. Clown world. Apparently. Anyway, so do we have any? Do we have any interesting questions there in case? Because we got we got in trouble for not ask, answering uh, some some pertinent pertinent questions. Or we did. We, people we were complaining trouble? that we weren't answering their questions. Oh. And, uh, no. Not a thing. No. No. Inter- I can see. Th- they give up because we they know we don't answer questions. We do answer questions. Well, so, some of us go on monologues that are just like captivating, you know. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they can't even ask the questions. Yeah, they're transfixed. 
Yeah. So um, I think that's as as much as we want to do today. We'll just. I mean, I think we'll unless something serious happens, we'll not come back to you know the winter. Now is a winter of our, of our discontent and uh, food bar. No food in the supermarkets, no gas, uh, riots in the streets, uh, bun fights at the well, OK. Well, unless okay it is, actually, Oh, yeah. we have a question. Oh. Winter. Uh, Ryan wants to know anything to say about orcas. 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 Oh, and orcus. the submarine deal. It's a great species of bird. Yeah, orcas. Isn't it? The rare orcas. I think it's a dodo. It's a dead. It's, 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 it's extinct. Yeah, empire <laughs> builders. Orcas. Orcas. Off that's the rails. Just, that's Again, just China. We've got to understand how much China occupies their minds. Like, mm-hmm. um, not, not so much in public, but well, more and more in public. Yeah, in public. Uh, yeah. Th- there was a um, a clip going around recently. Actually, it involves Australia. John Mearsheimer. Mm-hmm. He is like one of the preeminent scholars in the United States mm-hmm. when it comes to international relations. He might still be teaching retired, not Walter sure. Mishram, well, yeah, they wrote about the Israeli lobby. They're, that's where they're most well known to the left, I suppose, mm-hmm. for, for, for that bombshell, which uh, just confirmed that uh, Zionism and support thereof is, is really a problem. Anyway, but John Mearsheimer, so he's a realist mm-hmm. of the kind of Kissinger school of you know, he's, America doesn't have friends or allies, only interests, right. stuff like that. When he gets up in front of an Australian think tank audience recently, someone posted it online, he begins, you know, calm, rational way, but he ends up practically shouting at the crowd that if Australia goes the way of in any way supporting or being allied with or doing trade with China that we don't like, we will drop pain and misery on your heads like you've never seen before this is like oh. they're sober academic yeah so if that's what he's willing to say in public can you imagine what the the warhawks mm. the ones behind the scenes yeah. think and feel about this situation like, there's a world order and it's anglo-america effectively it's a five eyes it's the us uk australia new zealand and canada Canada, yeah. Uh, and they rule the world, basically. Um, AUKUS isn't anything new, just FYI. It's, yeah, it's been around for a long time. Yeah. It's too old. But I think it's what going the way of the dinosaurs. What Ryan was asking there was obviously about the, the, the submarine deal that was next, uh, by, mm. you know, dissing France. Uh, and, and that was a political move. It wasn't about the money. It was, more about, it was more about the U.S. having control over Australia's foreign policy. And they were, you know, um, you know, from a military point of view, they obviously have control over... Uh, the US's foreign policy uh, Australia's foreign policy um, have done for a long time Australia is an outpost of empire basically of the Anglo-American empire as is New Zealand uh, they do what they're told and always have done um, so well maybe it was to some extent about about the money but it was about asserting that it was cementing that relationship or, or making a public declaration of that relationship you know and also uh, from the point of view of you know if anybody's going to build submarines for Australia that Australia is going to use to push back militarily against China, it's going to be America. And they're going to have control mm. over those submarines and they're going to be on board those submarines. This isn't, isn't going to be a, a French gig, you know. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it reflects well, their, another... their, the general kind of warmongering and saber-rattling against China, which again is also a distraction, you know what I mean? I mean, like we mentioned about Trump being accused of going to threatening that nuke, nuke China. It's nonsense, you know what I mean? None of that's going to happen. 
the issues people need to deal with right now are economic, like we've been saying, economic issues, the world economy, the global economy, and encroaching totalitarianism, the way governments have imposed the, the new world order, as they keep, for some reason, the phrase they keep, or more frequently used these days, they're not afraid of using the word the new world order, or the new normal, uh, people need to, that's what people need to focus on, not about any impending nuclear war. There's not going to be any nuclear war or any kind of hot war between China and anybody else in the world or Russia and anybody else in the world. You can take that to the bank. It's not happening. Yeah. Um, for me, AUKUS is... It's, it's, it's the same old. It's just, it's just a new combination of, of what's always been. I mean... You can look at Australia has made like foreign policy decisions ever since it's been Australia and formally independent, which I'm not even, it's not even clear when that is. Is that like beginning of the 20th century or 1950s, mm -hmm. whatever? Um, it will always do what either Britain or America wants. Um, I think in the end it comes down to. They've got, their queen, they've got the queen and their money. Exactly. That's just Canada. And there's allegiance. Um, there's kind of racial allegiance as well. Um, they would yeah. they would throw France out over anything, either the fatherland for them, Britain, or the United States wants. Mm -hmm. In a heartbeat, no problem. They're That's safe. why they were Afghanistan, no problem. We'll go right in. Yeah. Um, yeah, you look back at their war choices over Iraq war. Syria, uh, Afghanistan. Yeah. Tells you all you need to know, really. Anyway, uh, I think we'll leave it there for this week, uh, folks. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the show. Smash all the buttons and like, and thanks for commenting, and uh, keep calm and kill zombies. Until next time. See you later. See you next week. Bye, everyone. Kill zombies. Can't stop the signal now. Mm -hmm.